1: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians. Last four weeks we've been in Ephesians, today we wrap it up. Today from chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day, and after you've done everything possible, to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate, And put shoes on your feet so that you're ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Offer prayers and petitions in the Spirit at all times. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me... Pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes the secret plan of the gospel known. I am an ambassador in chains for the sake of the gospel. Pray so the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as Emily just mentioned, if you are a consumer of news, if you watch it, read it, listen to it, uh, news hasn't been great this week. Now, let's be honest, oftentimes there isn't a lot of great news on the news, but this week seems to have been uh, a little over the top. Uh, floods and fires, both in our country and internationally, destroying property, taking lives, causing millions and millions and millions in damage. Just as we speak, Hurricane Henri is heading to the northeast, and they're saying could have historic uh, proportion in terms of damage it might cause. seems like there's constantly reported a new sign of the evidence of global warming and its impact around the world. And of course, the global war the global pandemic rages on. We thought we were coming out of it, and now we're in the most serious stage. Here we're in Orlando in Florida, and one of the the international hotspots of the pandemic. Our children have gone back to school in the midst of a political tug of war over masks. In Haiti, just in the last couple of weeks, the president was assassinated. Then came a massive Uh, earthquake, then came a tropical storm. Thousands are dead, thousands injured, thousands are left homeless. They're having trouble getting supplies where they need to go. And it wasn't just a few weeks ago that the condo in Surfside, Florida fell, claiming 98 lives. A lot of bad news these days. But if we're honest, for many of us, the the news, both domestically and internationally, as bad as it might be, isn't nearly as important or significant or impactful as what's going on in our own lives. For some of us, the most significant crises are in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, in our own homes, in our own hearts and minds. We're not nearly as concerned what's happening out there as what's happening in here. And even though most of us in this room this morning are blessed in so many ways, probably good health, wealth, at least by international standards, good, safe homes, supportive, loving families, many friends, this church, we all know life can be hard. Am I right? Life has its difficult moments. We do our best to shield ourselves from all of the challenges. We buy home security systems. We buy insurance to protect our stuff if it gets damaged. Some of us carry concealed weapons. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands. We pay taxes to support police and military to protect us. We take multivitamins, right? Lately, we're all wearing masks. Many of us have been vaccinated. We buy cars and wear seat belts, and, and the cars that have anti-lock brakes and airbags. We, we surround ourselves with as much comfort as possible to protect from the discomfort of life. And sometimes, if you're desperate, we even pray. And tribulations come. Trials come, difficulties come. The reality is, life is hard. Sometimes life is def- devastatingly hard. Henry Nouwen once wrote, Nobody escapes being wounded. We're all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Jesus said, You will in this life have trouble. Jesus also said, God makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. I never know in that passage if rain is a good thing or bad thing. I, I suppose it depends, right? I worked in the sun yesterday. That felt like a bad thing. It was too much of it, it was hot. You may remember if you were here last week that we looked at that story where Jesus talked about the wise builder who built his house upon a rock and the foolish builder who built his house upon sand. It's a story about wisdom, right? The wise builder is like one who hears Jesus' teaching and puts them into practice. But then he says that, that once the houses were built, when the rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew beat against the house, the house built on rock stood, the house built on sand fell. But notice he doesn't say conditionally, like if rain comes, if wind blows, if floods come, a house built on rock is a better investment. He doesn't say that. He just states it as a a matter of fact. There will be rain and floods and winds. Our lives will be battered. It just is a matter of fact of our existence, and metaphorically speaking, it's been raining a lot lately. It's been a difficult season. Now for the last four weeks, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, written by Paul to the church in Ephesus, and you may recall that every week, Paul seems particularly concerned by the impact, the influence of the surrounding Ephesian culture on the people in this young immature, not strongly developed church. And he's listed over and over these influences he sees creeping into the church that cause him concern, that he thinks undermines the church's influence, the church's strength, the the church's example to the world. And then he says in Ephesians 6.12, we aren't fighting Against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Notice he just states this like we're in a battle. We aren't fighting against, but we are fighting, right? It's just a it is a fight to exist. We are in a battle, but who's the battle with? Notice. Paul doesn't blame any individual. He doesn't blame the Ephesian Gentile culture. He doesn't blame society at large. He doesn't even blame the the, the Roman political leaders. Paul says this is a spiritual struggle. Though we may be experiencing difficulty and hardship in in the material world, this is a spiritual struggle. We're fighting against... Rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil. In the ancient world in which the Bible was written, they understood everything to be spiritual. Everything was because of the spirits or the gods. The gods sent blessing or punishment. The gods sent favor or disfavor depending on who you were. It was the spirits who caused good and evil to happen. Every natural disaster, every historical moment, every disease, every rise and fall of a nation was because of spiritual forces. And by the way, all people throughout history have thought that way until the modern era, until the Enlightenment. It's a new thing that we don't think that way. Today, we're less likely to blame spiritual forces of wickedness for our struggles. We blame unjust political systems, corrupt leaders, the moral failings of others. We we scapegoat who we consider our perceived enemies. We talk about the overreach of science, the failings of the economy. We blame the immigrants, greedy corporations, the moral decline of society, government incompetence, social media and its influence, mutating viruses, sinners. Does that sound familiar? Find someone to blame. Find someone who's responsible find someone to scapegoat well whoever you blame the truth is we're all on the receiving end of difficulties challenges hardship struggle and pain and it impacts us spiritually let's just think for a moment do you know that like when you are physically sick it also affects you emotionally spiritually when you're going through an economic hardship it affects you spiritually right when someone criticizes you it affects you we're, we're whole beings it affects us and so paul gives this advice be strengthened by the lord and his powerful strength put on god's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day. And after you've done everything possible to still stand, so stand with a belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate. Put shoes on your feet so that you're ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Inevitably, Paul must be thinking of the Roman soldiers of that day. Ephesus was a port city, so very likely soldiers would have been brought in by boat so that they could travel by road somewhere else or to be returned to their home, right? They were constantly coming in and out. There must have been... Roman governors there in Ephesus and Roman guards to, to protect them. They even bought, probably in those days had uh, gladiator games. So they would have seen people wearing these armaments. Now That's a foreign image to us today, unless you've seen a movie with a Roman gladiator in it or, or maybe some sort of illustrated book. I'll be honest, when I read this passage, I think of it as a children's Sunday school lesson with a picture of the armor of God on the wall. So it, it can feel a little foreign, maybe even a little childish. But there was nothing childish about it when Paul thought of it. This was very real and a, and a powerful metaphor for him to use. So I think it still has merit for us today. We may not see gladiators and metal armor But if you've watched the news, we've seen police in their own form of battle armor in the midst of protests. Think of the images we saw on January 6th. Just this week, we've seen soldiers flying into Afghanistan to protect the airport in Kabul in full battle armor. Some of you yesterday watched football games, saw players in helmets and pads under onto the field and beat each other, right? We see pictures of medical personnel wearing gloves and, and hospital gowns and, and face masks and face shields to protect themselves from the virus. Even the masks that you're wearing right now and the vaccinations you've received, aren't they armor of sort? That's metaphorically, I think, symbolically, what Paul is trying to convey. Life is a battle, and we need protection. In this case, he's talking about spiritual protection. So the message version of this passage says, take all the help you can get. What good advice. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, you will stand on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. Paul is less concerned here with the physical p- attacks we endure, the verbal attacks, the emotional attacks, but more on the spiritual significance of the attack. And so in this passage, he, he equates sort of each piece of armor with a spiritual gift that we can use to battle the impact spiritually upon us. He says, wear the belt of truth the breastplate of justice, shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of spirit. Now, I think Paul is is picking each piece and the the accompanying spiritual gift on purpose. He he sees this gift of uh, protecting this part of who we are, and that's just too much for us to get into today. The point for today is that we are in a battle, that life is challenging and that we need God's help we need God's strength and we need God's protection we need to arm ourselves with godly qualities truth justice peace faith salvation God's spirit if the if the armor of God seems too militaristic for you Paul also offers a a similar metaphor in Colossians 3.12 He says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Here's what he's saying. Before a, a soldier goes on the battlefield, they put on their armor. Before you leave the house for whatever the day has for you, you get dressed. He says that's a metaphor. As you are clothing yourself, arming yourself, do it spiritually as well. Before you go out into the world and put yourself in a place of vulnerability, or maybe before you even leave the house, before you turn on the email or the news or read your social media, first, immerse yourself in God. So that you can, as it says in Psalm 91, say to God, you are my refuge, my stronghold, you are my God, the one I trust. Now anyone who's ever had to wear armor for a reason will tell you that armor offers protection, but it doesn't make you invisible. No one enters the battlefield and leaves it unscathed whether it's a police officer in the midst of a protest or a football player on the football field you come out with bumps and bruises protection does not equal invincibility praying to god for the the armor of god doesn't wrap us in kevlar spiritual bubble wrap life is hard Earlier, Chris read for us, we read responsibly, Psalm 91, and it makes some rather outrageous statements. A thousand may fall at your side, but nothing will happen to you. Sickness will never enter your tent. And some of you may have been reading it thinking, really? Is this really true? Psalm 91.4 says, God will protect you with his pinions, his wings. You'll find refuge under his wings. His faithfulness is a protective shield. Well, if that's true, what kind of protection does it give us? Just Tish Harrison Warren writes, God does not promise to keep bad things from happening. God does not promise that night will not come or that it will not be terrifying or that we immediately will be tugged to shore. God promises, God promises that we'll not be left alone. Even well armored in this life, we will be battered and bruised. Verbal assault will come. Attack to our emotional health will come. Attack to our physical health. Sickness will come. Sometimes just the quantity of negative news will beat us down. The pressure to conform, to perform according to others' expectations. Sometimes the attack happens at home. Sometimes the attack happens at the office. Sometimes it happens... Here at church, it beats us down. No one in the Bible denies it. Paul doesn't deny it. Jesus doesn't deny it. In fact, they tell us to expect it. So if we're going to be under attack, and even if the armor of God doesn't make us invincible, then what's the point? Paul says the goal is simply to stand. And to keep on standing. To stand strong when the attack comes. And to still be standing when the attack is over. Hear it again, Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day. Meaning the day you're attacked. And after you've done everything possible, to still stand. We arm ourselves. With the armor of God, we clothe ourselves in Christ so that we can constantly, consistently stand in God's strength. Temptations will batter us. In God's strength, we stand. Criticisms will be leveled against us. Lies will be told against us, and we can stand. The world is an increasingly scary place, and yet we can stand. In the face of disaster or disappointment, we stand. When things don't go our way, we stand. No matter how long this global pandemic goes and no matter how many times it changes, we can stand. And if we stand, we can join with Paul saying, we are experiencing all kinds of trouble, but we aren't crushed. We're confused, but we aren't depressed. We're harassed, but we aren't abandoned. We're knocked down, but we aren't knocked out. Even if our bodies are breaking down on the outside, the person that we are on the inside is being renewed every day. Do you know the author Brene Brown? She's one of my favorites. She's a sociologist that writes on shame and bravery. I want to end with this. She wrote what she calls a manifesto of the brave and the brokenhearted. It goes like this. There is no greater threat to the critics and cynics and fear mongers than those of us who are willing to fall because we've learned how to rise with skinned knees and bruised hearts. We choose owning our stories of struggle over hiding, over hustling, over pretending. When we deny our stories, they define us. When we run from the struggle, we're never free. So we turn toward faith, and look it in the eye. We will not be characters in our stories, not villains, not victims, not even heroes. We are the authors of our lives. We write our own daring endings. We craft love from heartbreak, compassion from shame, grace from disappointment, courage from failure. Showing up is your power. Story is our way home. Truth is our song. We are brave and broken-hearted. We are rising strong. Paul says put on the full armor of God so that you can stand on the day of evil and when it's over, you'll still be standing. Let's pray. So God for us, gathered here this morning for those who are watching at home, arm us, Lord. Cover us with your protection, Lord, for those of us who are experiencing difficulty, challenge, battle, close at home, give us strength to stand. And Lord, may we find that strength daily. May we not abandon all of the armor, all of the gifts, all the blessings that you have so readily available. Help us to live more deeply in your word. Help us to enter more deeply into worship. Help us to seek you in all of our lives so that we can stand and be strong in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you.